And amen. Church, help me preach the message. Turn to two people and tell them I bring good news of great joy. Tell two people I bring good news of great joy. Caleb, I bring good news of great joy. I'm bringing it. I'm bringing it. Okay, so here's something that is probably true maybe about you. I know it is about me. If we're honest, sometimes when we see fault, we, let, me, let me rephrase it. Sometimes it's easier to point the faults out in somebody else than it is to see the same faults in me. I shared a story a few months ago now, but I shared a story of sometimes when I'm driving, someone will pass me and they're speeding. And I'm like, kids, can you believe that? Look at that lawbreaker speeding like that. And then my kids are quick to remind me, dad, you're also speeding. And then I tell them, well, you better buckle up then, okay? I don't know what's going to happen here. But, you know, it's easy for us to acknowledge you've got some issues going on, but maybe not acknowledge the same thing in in ourselves. For example... Have you ever noticed that people that are, are prone to lying, like people that are liars, they lie a lot, they don't like being lied to, okay? Like, isn't that ironic? As the great prophet Alanis Morissette would say, isn't that ironic? And if you're wondering who's Alanis Morissette, well, you, you, you ought to know. Anyway, so whatever. So, I'm sorry. So liars don't like to be lied to. Cheaters don't like to be cheated on, right? Um, thieves don't like to be stolen from. It's just, it's just the way we are. It's like, I see the mistakes in you, but I don't see the same mistakes in me. See, this is one more reason, this dysfunction that we are, this is one more reason why the birth of Jesus is such good news. It's such good news for, for all people. There, there's a, a formula that we're looking at, and it's not something I came up with. God came up with it. It's when the angels came to the shepherds, and they said, I bring good news of great joy for all people. That's the formula. Good news leads to great joy for all people. Say all people. It's all people. And, and look up here. If, if today you're not believing that it's good news, or maybe somebody you know that you're trying to get to Meadows, or you're trying to get into a relationship with Jesus, they don't believe the good news. They're not thinking it's good news for them. It, a couple things have happened. A, they have not been given the original good news. They just haven't heard it. Not the original version. Or B, and this is more likely, I think. B, they've gotten the good news at one point, but over time, it's been diminished. It's been contorted. It's been conflicted. It's been added to. It's been subtracted from. It's been complicated. But I'm telling you, the original good news, the original good news is so compelling, and it's a story so worth telling. It is, and that's what we're looking at. And I, 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 I wrote this down. I said, the message of Jesus, the message of good news, it literally levels the playing field. What do I mean by that? I mean, I mean that it reminds us, whether you've been naughty, whether you've been nice, whether you've been doing this or doing that or not doing this or not doing that, we're all, at the end of the day, we're all in the same boat. Say we're all in the same boat. Caleb, we're all in the same boat. Let's Bring a boat up. I got to show you. I got to do an illustration. Uh, and this is, this is going to be crazy. But Jesus one time, by the way, if you brought your Bible or your mobile app, which I pray that you do. If you don't have a Bible, I want to give you one. We want to give you one for free. It's, I want to get the, the word of God in your hands. As Caleb, my lovely assistant, brings up the boat. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Caleb. I, you never know what I'm going to say. So flip the arrow. Yep, yep, turn it. Yep, there you go. So um, Luke 5 Verse 1. This is what we're preaching out of. Luke 5, verse 1. Thanks, Caleb. Give it up for Caleb. Isn't he good? That's right. So anyway, so (laughs) Luke 5, verse 1. So Jesus is preaching from a boat, or at least he will be in just a second. Listen to this. Luke 5, 1. One day Jesus is preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. 
great crowds are pressing in. See, the good news was so good, people were pressing in. You know what a lot of people are doing now? They're running from it. They're running from what Jesus is saying. They're running from churches. They're running from it. Why? What has changed? Back then, they're pressing in so much. They press in, and they're listening to the word of God. You know what I thought about when I, when, when I read that this week? Here's what I thought about. What do you suppose Luke thought? Like, he's writing this. Think of after Jesus has died and then resurrected himself from the dead. I, I bet they're thinking, oh my gosh, that time when we listened to Jesus preach on the shore or in the boat, we weren't just listening to the word of God. We were literally listening to words from God. I mean, it's such, when you, when you look at the story, it's amazing. Verse 2, Jesus notices two empty boats on the water's edge. For fishermen had left them there, and they're washing their nets. That's what fishermen did. They wash the nets, otherwise they rot. So they wash them, they're, they're cleaning out the seaweed, they're cleaning out the beer cans, they're, getting, they're making sure the net's good to go. And as they're doing this, um, Jesus continues... Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus says to Simon, also known as Peter, who owns the boat, uh, push it out into the water, Peter. So Jesus sat in the boat, and he taught the crowds from there. I've always wanted to be like Jesus. I wore the wrong shoes, but welcome to my world. So Jesus sits in the boat. I don't think it was probably a kayak, but whatever. You get the point. Jesus sits in the boat. Careful. It's not bad, actually. It's kind of nice. And this is what he says. Master, Simon replied. Oh, actually, let, let, me go, let me reverse to verse 4. When he had finished speaking to Simon, he said, Simon, let's go out. Let's go where it's deeper. He's done speaking to the people. Let down your nets. Let's catch some fish. This would make zero sense. Master, Simon said, this is it. We worked hard all night. We tried all night. We didn't catch a thing. But you know what? If you say so, I'll let down the nets. This is so crazy. See, Fishermen, especially in this day, they're fishing with nets. Nets are kind of surface fishing. Um, fish are not at the surface in the daytime. They're in, they're in the deep where it's cool. That's why they fish at night, because at night, they're up in the shallow where you can get them with nets. So what Jesus is asking is insane. And I'm sure, think about Andrew, his fishing partner, his brother. Andrew's probably thinking, Peter, seriously, we're not, you're not gonna, we're not gonna do this, are we? I mean, Jesus is a great guy. I get it. Nice guy. Preaches good messages. No, I have nothing against him. But dude, he's a carpenter, okay? He can't, he can't tell us how to do our job. By the way, we don't go to his, his, like, his, his shop and tell him how to make tables. What's he doing? And, 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 but Peter does it. And Peter Peter's has them let down their nets. And check out verse 6. This is insane. This time their nets were completely full. Church, they were so full of fish that the nets started to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the, in the other boat. And soon both boats, two boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what happened, he falls to his knees before Jesus and says, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For Peter was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others that were with him. His partners, James and John, the, the sons of Zebedee, they were also amazed. They were fishermen. They had never seen anything like it before. And Jesus replies to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now I got to get out of this thing. So, careful. Oh. More on that later.
They, hey, by the way, don't be confused at this story and think it's the same story that we talked about last week. This is not the same story. One time Jesus was walking along the shore and he called the fishermen, uh, Peter and, and Andrew, James and John. That's a different story. If you, were, if you heard the message last week or you listened online, remember what I said about Levi, a.k.a. Matthew? I said, well, when Jesus called Levi to say, hey, leave your tax collecting business and come follow me, you know what? Levi had no backup plan. He leaves the Romans to, to work for Jesus. He ain't going back to work for Rome. The fishermen, when Jesus called them, they had a backup plan. They could always go back to the family business. And you know what? They did. Because that's what they're doing. This is a different time. And I don't know why they followed Jesus and why they went back to fishing. I don't know if Jesus didn't offer a dental plan. Did he not have a 401k match? I don't know. I can't answer that. All I know is they were following, and now they're back to fishing. But this time was different. Say it was different. Do you know why it was different? If you read in Matthew 4, when he called them the first time, it says they dropped their nets and they followed him. You know what it said this time? Remember what it said? They left everything. There's a big difference. See, for somebody here today, for somebody watching online, you've been following Jesus, but you just haven't left everything. You just haven't cut all the ties to what's holding you back. And until we do that, we'll never truly follow Jesus. They left everything. I kept reading it. That's so different than what they did before. And they follow. And there's a verse that hit me. Oh my gosh. The verse I want, I hope I put it in the notes to put this back up. Luke 5, 8. This, this hit me so hard. Let me read it to you. Remember, when Simon, remember they, catch the, the, they catch the fish. The boats are on the verge of sinking. And, and check it out. Simon Peter realized the miracle. He realizes what happens. He falls to his knees before Jesus. It's like suddenly, it's like suddenly Simon Peter is so amazed. At what, it's like he sees himself in comparing himself to Jesus. It's like he has a self-awareness moment of who Jesus is and who he is. And it's crazy. And when he realizes it, he's amazed. And you know what doesn't matter anymore? The fish don't matter anymore. The boat doesn't matter anymore. The business doesn't matter anymore. And he stands before Jesus. He falls to his knees. And what does he say? Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. That doesn't make any sense. Peter, if you're such a sinful man, why are you asking Jesus to leave you? Wouldn't you be like, I'm such a sinful man. Jesus, come close to me. Jesus, stay in the boat with me. Don't leave me. Why is Peter saying the opposite of what I think he should be saying? Peter's saying, I'm such a sinful man. Leave me. You know what I wrote down? Here's, in a sense, what Peter is saying. I need you to go away, Jesus, so I can feel okay. I need you to go away so I can feel okay. You ever, you ever have a friend in your life, that, that holier-than-thou friend? Now, don't point if they're with you. Do, do not point. But that friend that, you know, they basically have a halo, and the only time they take it off is to polish it. And, they, you know, they make, when you hang out with them, you feel like you're a demon because they're that good. I remember in Catholic grade school, Salem St. Mary's, we'd go to confession, and they'd line up all the elementary kids like, like cattle, and we'd just go in one after the other, and the priest would just, you know, listen to all of our dysfunctional mess-up sins. And it's just crazy. And I, I always hated when I get in front of the kid that was Mr. You know, Goody Two-Shoes, Mr. Halo. Like, he would go into the confessional. He'd be out in like 27 seconds. I, priest is like, who's next? Oh, Monty? You know what? Let me grab my lunch. I'll bring it back in. We'll do this. It'll be a while. You know, he, it's like he knows it's going to take a half hour of me, but not good. So it's like, it's like Peter is saying, go, I, I, I see how bad I am. 
in, in the context of how good you are, Jesus. I see, I see that I'm such a sinner. And, and, and it's crazy to even think, oh, by the way, this is why people, this is why people a lot of times don't come to church. Number one, it's because when you come to church, you get convicted, right? The Holy Spirit moves, convicts you. That's not the best feeling sometimes. I'm hearing things I'm doing. I know I shouldn't be doing it, but I'm doing it. So I'd rather not hear it. So leave from me. I don't want to hear it. It's easier that way. But here's the other reason that people are repelled from the church. Because of the church. See, a lot of times the church, because we're full of people like me that are messed up, that we say things or do things that hurt people. And we don't do them on purpose normally. Sometimes we do, but normally we don't. And, and I talk to so many people, they don't want nothing to do with the church because of what's happened in the church. And I'm, it breaks my heart. And, and, I, and then they give up on the church. I'm like, don't give up on the church. Go find another church. I always use the analogy, if you eat at a restaurant and you get a bad meal, do you just stop eating at restaurants? I'm done. It's, I'm never going to eat at a restaurant again. No, we go to another. But anyway, so I just, whatever. So I, but the church has hurt people, right? Can we be honest? We can be real. So I mean, I apologize if that's you or maybe somebody you know that you'd like to get to church, but they're like, ah, church ain't my thing. Been there, done that. Uh, yeah, I don't need that organization for me to be with Jesus or whatever. I, um, man, I apologize. I know people that have been hurt. Like, if that's you, I'm sorry. If you've been shunned from the church, if you've been shamed from, uh, by the church, if you've been condemned by the church, if you've been judged by the church, that's not the way it's supposed to be. It, it was never the way it's supposed to be. That's why I hope that Meadows, we, we do kind of pride ourselves on a church where if you're kind of messed up, you can come here and hopefully you're not getting judged or condemned because we don't do that. The, the world do plenty of that for us. We don't need that. We need to love each other, wrap around each other. That's why we say this is a church where it's okay to what? To not be okay. To not be okay. So maybe you're thinking, how do I know Meadows Church is for me? I can tell you. If you, if you messed up this week, that's a good indication that you're in the right church. If you lost your temper this week, like if you used some colorful language this week, Cece, I'm just saying, if you did, if not you, but somebody else. So if you, uh, if you, what, if you flip somebody off in traffic on the way to church, I mean, come on, you know who you are. If you know you're not, if you look in the mirror and you know that you're not okay, I'm telling you, you have found your church home. You are not only welcome here, you are wanted here. You are wanted. I was just kidding, Cece. <laughs> She's just like, I'm shaking her. So, um, but, but Peter, Peter acknowledges. He says, I'm such a sinful man. And what I want to say to Peter is, Peter, what are you doing? Why are you saying you're such a, look what you just did. You obeyed Jesus. By faith, you trusted him. Like you went out on the boat. You dropped your net. You experienced a miracle, miraculous catch. And I think Peter would be like, no, 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 no. That's not what I mean. I'm not talking about like I've sinned in this moment. I'm not talking about just right now. I'm just talking, I'm such a sinful man. Like, I, I'm so not okay. I, I'm so far from okay. Peter has this realization. And Jesus just smiles at Peter. And what does he say? Jesus says what he always says when people feel tense. When, when people are feeling this, this anxiousness, maybe that's you today, and feeling this fear. What does he say? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Peter. You know, you know what Jesus could have said? He could have said, you're right, Peter. You are a sinner. In fact, Peter, your biggest screw-up is yet to come. Okay? Sometimes we say the best is yet to come. Peter, for you, the worst is yet to come. Because you know what you're going to do? You're going to deny that this day ever happened. You're going to deny that the miraculous fish ever, ever jumped in the net. You're going to deny that you and I talking right now, that it ever took place. Peter, you're going to deny that you ever 
pursue me. But Jesus doesn't say that. Yeah, Peter, you're a sinner, but, 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 but Peter, that's why I came. I, I came for you. And Peter, you know what? I have good news for you. And I think Jesus would say, I have good news for you. And I have good news for you. And I have good news for you. And I have good news for you. See, I have come to usher in a new kind of kingdom. And, and, and I am a new kind of king. I'm not, I'm not the kings that you're used to. See, and, and Peter, you're actually going to, I'm actually going to, we're going to do it together. You and I, we're going to show the world this kingdom of God. Peter, I get it. You thought we were, you thought we were coming to capture fish. Peter, I'm telling you, that was your plan. My plan is to partner with you and capture the hearts and the minds of the souls of all people that I will eventually die for. That is good news. That's good news. This is good news. Do you know what makes the good news so good? The fact that we're not. That's what makes it so good. What makes the good news so good is the fact that we're not good. And here's the thing, here's kind of the kicker. The worse you've been or the worse you are, the better the good news is. Now this is metals. I don't want you thinking, well, dang it, I'm just gonna go out and knock off a liquor store because pastor said the worst. Like, no, don't do that. It's still good news. You'll just be enjoying it from jail. Do not do that. So we're all in the same boat. To, to get biblical with you, we all fall short. The Bible would say, right? We all sin. Though sometimes, be honest with me, sometimes we don't call it sin. Because that sounds kind of like, that sounds kind of harsh. We, we like to sometimes call it mistakes, right? I made a mistake. Okay, can I tell you something? Mistakes happen by accident, okay? Like when you text the wrong person. You ever done that? Oh my, is there a worse feeling in the world? And why can't I immediately retract it? I mean, holy crap, my phone can read my mind and then put ads on my phone about what I'm thinking, but it can't retract a text. I don't get it, whatever. So, what? But, yeah, you know, guys, you're texting your wife. It's Tuesday night, you know, your special night. Hey, baby. Kissy, kissy emoji. Huggy, huggy emoji. Whatever, whatever emoji. And then you click send and you send it to your mother. Oh, Awkward. Now you got your mom calling her prayer team. Oh my God, pray for my son. So it's, that, I made a mistake. Mista sin, mistakes happen by accident. Sin, sin never happens by accident. Did you know that? Well, I just, I looked at, I looked at, I, I, oops, I looked at pornography and I'd be like, that's the fourth time you've looked at it in the last hour. That's not a mistake, okay? Right? I'm such a mistaker. <laughs> no, you're a sinner and so am I. Paul it's crazy. Paul, if you don't know who he is, he wrote a lot of the New Testament. And what you need to understand about Paul is he was, when it comes to being good or obedient, he was the man. He was the man. I mean, this guy was a full-blooded Hebrew man, but yet he was a member of the Pharisees, this religious sect that prided themselves on knowing the word of God and living out the rule of God, dotting their I's, crossing their T's, following all the rules. And Paul followed them to a T. Like he didn't miss a beat. That dude was on point when it came to being on the nice list, being on the good list, you, you could say. You know what's crazy about that story? You know how Paul, this amazing, obedient man, would describe himself in the word of God? You know what he says? I'll quote him. He says, I am the chief of sinners. Okay, Paul, I have a question. I'm confused. You, how do you go from literally being the very best, like you were, you were it, to being the very worst? Well, the answer is simple. His life intersected with Jesus. 
Like he literally met God in the flesh. And this changes, it changes who he is. So then Paul starts to write these letters about this interaction. And he writes to a church in Rome one time. It's the book of Romans, but he's writing to you and I too. And he writes something that maybe you've heard before. And he's telling them, we're all in the same boat, you guys. He doesn't phrase it like that, but he says in Romans 3.23, we all fall short. We all, we're all naughty. We all mess up. We all fall short of the glory of God. Everyone. Say everyone. Everyone. In other words, we're all in the same boat. Paul gets a glimpse of the glory of God and it hits him sideways and he's never the same. Simon, who's been with Jesus before and seen miracles before, this particular one, it hits him different. And he realizes, my God, you are so good and I'm so not. It's like they realize where they're at, which made me write this down. You can't get where you need to be until you acknowledge where you currently are. I'll say it again. You cannot get where you need to be until you acknowledge where you are. So many people, we're not honest with ourselves. We're not humbling ourselves. We're not looking at scripture and then looking at our life and saying, oh my gosh, I am off base here. Or talking to a friend in a life group or talking to a prayer partner or somebody that truly loves you and tells you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And they tell you, you know what? Your his is where you're at. And it seems like the more honest and humble people got, the more Jesus would lean in and just say, I'll take you. It's crazy. He didn't look at credentials. He didn't look at a resume. He could care less. He's looking at their heart and their humility. It's like, it's like when you finally admit, right? I, I finally admit I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with pornography. And Jesus says, you know what? I'll take you. I, you, I finally admit that. I acknowledge that, you know what? I gossip way too much. I'll take you. You finally confess that you've been, you've been sleeping around, sleeping with your neighbor's wife. I'll take you, as long as you're not my neighbor. So anyway, so whatever. So, what? so you'll get it later. So, but Jesus leans in when people acknowledge where they're at. I'll take you. Follow me. That's good news. I wrote it down. We've been invited to embrace the same solution you and I have on this Christmas season. And friends that you know, family that you know, they're invited as well. We all need someone who can do something about what, about what we've done. I'll say that again. We all need somebody, someone, to do something about what we've done. And you know what? Jesus did it. Jesus did it. Jesus did it. Can I continue with what Paul wrote to the church in Rome? Romans 3, 24 and 25 You've given us the problem, Paul. You've told us that we all screw up. We're all jacked up. We're all in the same boat. What's the solution? Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did it through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of sin. Don't miss this. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for your sin and my sin. Not your mistakes, your sin. People are made right with God. I love that. People are made right with God. Not by what you do, but it starts with what you believe. They believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, that Jesus shed his blood. 
that Jesus would die on a cross. It's insane. And here's kind of the twist. We're talking about a story where we're all in the same boat. You know what the boat we're in? The same boat is the fact that we're out of the boat. That, that, I don't want to confuse you, but the fact is this. We're all in the same boat, and that boat that we're in is we've been out of the boat or we are out of the boat. Like, we're in the water, and we're sinking, and we're drowning, and you know who you are, and you know where you've been, and you know what you've done, and I do too. We are out of the boat. It, it's crazy. I heard a story, and i got to share it with you because it's crazy. You're familiar probably with a man named Billy Graham. Like, he's a, one of the most epic evangelists that's ever walked the face of the earth. I mean, just a Christian, Christian giant. Billy Graham died a couple years ago. When he died, his daughter, Ruth, got up during the funeral, and she, she spoke. And he had multiple kids. Ruth was one of them. I want to read you just a, a, a bit of what she said. Now, this is Billy Graham's daughter. After 21 years, I was divorced. My family thought I should move far away to get a fresh start. So I did. I moved far away. I got connected to a church. It's a good thing. My pastor introduced me to a man, and we started to date fast and furiously. My kids said, you know what? They didn't like him that much. But you know what? They were almost grown, and I knew what was best for my life. Both my mom and my dad called me and said, you know what? Would you just slow things down a little bit just so you could get to know him more? But you know what? My dad, Billy, and my mom, they'd never been divorced. They'd never been a single parent. What do they know? So being stubborn and being sinful, I married this man on New Year's Eve. And within 24 hours, I knew I'd made the biggest mistake of my life. After five weeks, I fled because I was afraid. I wanted to talk to my dad and my mom. But what am I supposed to do? They were, they were two days away, a two-day drive. But I started to drive. And as I drove, questions in my head swirled. What was I going to say to my dad? What was I going to say to my mom? What would I say to my kids? I had been such a failure. And, we're, and what were they going to say to me? We're done with you? We told you don't do it. You've embarrassed us. Now, you women, you'll understand this. You don't want to embarrass your father. And you really don't want to embarrass Billy Graham. As I approached the driveway, I saw my dad standing there waiting. I drove up the round driveway, got to the top. And as I got out of the car, he wrapped his arms around me and simply said, and you'll like this, welcome home. No shame, no blame, no condemnation, just unconditional love. Now listen, my father wasn't God. But on that day, he showed me what God was like. When we come to God, this is her words, when we come to God in our sin, our brokenness, our pain, our hurt, you know what God says? Welcome home. And then she added this, she said, and that invitation is open to all of us. And I would add, because we're all in the same boat, which is out of the boat. I, I don't know why that's, well, I do. 
actually. I do know why that story struck me when I heard it. The way that Billy Graham responded to his child. It was a, gosh, it's only been two or three weeks that I, I got a call from, um, oh, let me set it up. Uh, my youngest son, Jake, is 14. He plays drums. And uh, I, l- side note, if you're planning on getting um, a drum set for your kids for Christmas, I would get a, a pair of noise-canceling headphones along with it, okay? I mean, two-for-one deal. I'm just, that's just free advice. Um, he plays the drums, and he plays for our youth worship team and other stuff. So after youth, uh, three weeks ago, I get a call from one of the youth leaders, and she's talking. She says, hey, just got to tell you about a conversation I had with Jake. I said, oh, okay. I'm like, okay, <laughs> what happened? And uh, she says, you know, he was, he was kind of just not, not really into the drums. And so I talked to him and said, hey, what's up? And uh, she said, he basically made the statement, I don't want to play the drums for the church. And she didn't give me a lot of details. She just kind of gave me the preface. And I said, okay, okay. I said, and I, I was shocked. I'm like, okay, all right. I said, let me talk to him. And, and, I, and she said, I, I encouraged him to tell you, but, but he, he, he didn't think he could. So that, it, that night I sit down with Jake and I'm like, hey, how'd youth go? Oh, good. I said, how was worship practice, or how was worship practice? Good. I said, drums went well? He said, yeah, they went good. I just, one song I didn't know as well as the other, but yeah, it was great. And I'm like, uh, and I, ca- I kept kind of pressing in. And I said, you're, you're still liking playing drums for the church? Yes. And as he kept saying yes, I mean, my heart was breaking on the inside. And here's why it was breaking. Not because he was fibbing to me in the moment, but because he felt like he had to. He felt like like he couldn't go to me and tell me what he was thinking. So, so as I kept pressing in a little bit, he finally knew something was up. He, he, he realized, because I kept asking some questions, and, he, and he, I could see him getting like a little bit, uh, gosh, emotional. And he goes, here's what he said. I mean, he said, she wasn't supposed to say anything to you. And I said, she, she called me because we love you. you. Jake, you shouldn't have to. I mean, he was so like f- afraid and scared to tell me that he didn't want to play drums for the church. And so I said, do you, even, do you like drums? I mean, I didn't know. So I, I said, do you like playing the drums? He said, he's like, yes, dad. I do like the drums. I can tell he's being authentic. I said, so it's just right now, just the church thing and there's pressure there and uh, all that kind of stuff. And he said, yeah, right now, just I need a break from that. I said, okay, but you don't need a break from the drums. You're liking the drums. He said, no, I like the drums. I said, okay. So he's gonna work, he's gonna focus on some other kind of music. And youth team, if you're listening, if we start playing the Red Hot Chili Peppers, he's back in. He said he's in. So that's what he's playing right now. So, but I share that story with you because it broke my heart to know that my, my son couldn't come up the driveway and, and tell me what was going on. You know what that tells me? I've responded wrongly too many times that you can't come and you tell me this is what's going on and that's what's going on. I mean, you guys, I was just, it just cut so deep, but yet it was such a beautiful conversation. It made me think of this. I've, so, I've showed this to you, but it's been months, so maybe you forgot. I gave you this formula. I said, religion, I don't want Jake to be so caught up in religion. Oh, my dad's a pastor. I gotta be a pastor's kid. I gotta do all this stuff. I know pastor's kids that are in full-time therapy 
okay? Not, not giving it, getting it full time. So we don't want that. But it's religion. Oh, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. You know what religion says? Religion says, I screwed up. My dad's going to kill me. That's how he felt. You know what the good news of Jesus Christ says? I screwed up. I need to call my dad. God, I need to call my dad. I need to call my dad. I don't know this message. As I put it together, I thought, is it too simple? Are they going to think, you know what? Great, we've heard it before. The good news of Jesus Christ. Yep, yep, yep. He is good. He comes, dies, rises from the dead. We're bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought about it and I thought, what is more valuable than what we're sharing right now? And I prayed this week that this message would hit you like, like, like it hit Simon in the boat, like it hit Paul, that it just hit him, like it hit me that day when I realized who I was compared to who Jesus was. And for some of you here, you might be thinking, I, I know who I am and I have messed up. And yes, you have, and so have I. But just like Billy Graham and just like the Father in heaven, God is saying today, I'm not angry with you. I'm not mad at you. I'm just heartbroken alongside you because you're doing things that keep you outside the boat. I'm in the boat, but you're outside. And I want you in the boat. And you don't have to go there anymore. You don't have to do that anymore. I, I, we can't go through the motions. We have to own this message and say, God, where am I outside the boat? In what area of my life? Because Jesus died that you might be here in the boat with him. This is, this, is, this is the resurrection, right? The resurrection says there's hope. And God says to all you who are screwed up, and that would be all of us, are you messed up? Get in the boat. That's the invitation. Are you messed up? Are you confused? Get in the boat. Are you addicted? Get in the boat. Are you tired? Get in the boat. Come, as, but just come as you are. You don't have to get cleaned up, just get in the boat. You're worried, get in the boat. You're scared, get in the boat. You're jacked up, get in the boat. You're messed up, get in the boat. Come as you are. But then Jesus adds, but know that you won't stay as you are. Because when you get in the boat and I'm with you and you're with me, I will make you new. I will not just clean you up, but I will set you free. If you believe in the good news, it's great joy for all people. Put your hands together. Give him praise. Give him praise. He's good. The Father today draws you in close to him. Like the day when Peter felt, I'm such a sinful man, but yet you're so good to me. You love me so much. I'm praying that that's how this hits you. Father, in the name of Jesus, have your way today. Move like only you can do as we worship you, God, right now. As we sing to you, as we glorify you, God, will you show us any areas of our life that are out of the boat? Are there any areas of our life where we haven't dropped it to follow you? The disciples, they, they followed you once and they went back. This time they left everything. God, this Christmas season, we want to surrender everything. We don't want to play church. We don't want to just come to a place, sing, hear a message, and leave. Intersect with our lives, Father. Do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, man, I beseech you in the name of Jesus. Move in our hearts, move in our lives. God, let us run to you in our dysfunction, in our mess. Change us. Help us surrender. Help us be obedient. We love you. We thank you. Pray in Jesus' name. Church, you're in this moment right now. I just 
I think about the words that we just sang together. And I think about what Pastor Monty just talked about, about acknowledging where we are so that we can go where Jesus Christ has called us to go, so that we can do what he's asked us to do, so that we can live the life that he's planned and purposed for us to live. And I just think about how amazing it is that no matter what we do, he invites us into that boat. He invites us to be with him. And maybe you're feeling today like Paul, like the chief of sinners. Maybe you feel like you've screwed up so many times that you could never be worthy of the grace of God. And I just want to invite you right now here in this moment to receive it because it is for you. He does invite you into the boat. That grace is for every single one of us. Christmas is for everyone. The good news of Jesus Christ. So what I want us to do here in this moment, if you've been feeling throughout this, this service like the Holy Spirit is, is prompting you to do this, we have green connect cards and on those connect cards, there's two options. I choose to give my life to Jesus and I renew my decision to give my life to Jesus. If, that's, if one of those is you today, I want you to fill that out today because the good news is for you today. Jesus Christ died for you. He rose from the grave for you. He wants you to be set free from all the chains that, gosh, you just, maybe you feel like you're living in bondage today. I know that's me so many days. And it's a daily surrender, but maybe today's the first time that you're gonna do it. Or maybe you've fallen away in your walk. Maybe you've gone along this path that you just feel far from Jesus today. I wanna encourage you to pick up those cards, fill it out. I wanna invite the prayer warriors to come as well to the front of the room. If that's you today, fill out that green connect card, put your name on it. And, and come bring it to one of our prayer warriors or bring it to guest services before you leave. We want you to know that that good news is for you today. Jesus Christ is for you. He lived, he died, and he rose again so that you could be with him for all eternity. And it's the greatest gift that could ever be given. Let's pray together. Jesus, I pray for that person right now who's contemplating whether or not they should fill out a card or whether or not they should truly surrender to you here in this moment. I pray that they take a bold step of faith to acknowledge where they are so they can get where you want them to go. And that's in your arms, the Father's arms. God, remind us that you love us so much that we can make that decision despite all the things that we've done. Because Jesus, you took it all on the cross. You felt the weight of our past. You know how badly we need you. So I'm praying today for that person in this place, those people in this place today, that they will fill that card out, that they'll take that bold step, that they'll come meet with a prayer warrior, that they'll receive the greatest miracle that's ever been given, everlasting life in Jesus Christ. And we thank you in advance. In Jesus' name. Church, can we celebrate that today for anyone who's making that decision to follow Jesus? I choose Jesus. Amen. If that's you watching online today, if that's you watching online, put it in the comment section, I choose Jesus, or you can text it to 474747, I choose Jesus, all one word. We want to get to just help and, and walk with you and give you any resource that we possibly can. For you in the room, that's, that's true as well. Pastor Monty mentioned we have Bibles, we have resources, we have life groups. We want you to get to a next step in your walk with Jesus, and we want you to know that the good news is for you today. It's so good to be with you, church. It's so good. So good to be in God's house together. If you would, let's just praise him one more time. We love you, Jesus. We thank you.
Make it a great week, everybody. Come meet with one of our prayer warriors today. There's a prayer room right over here, but we love you all. We'll see you soon. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today, but don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I wanna ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.